Cradleine Network. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. My, 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 my Borak dog, Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and this is the 223rd episode of Space Spinner 2000 podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2008 one month of progs at a time. But this week, we're taking a break from our usual weekly progs to cover the Rogue Trooper Annual 1991. It's always these annuals are dated for the year after they come out in. And this is the first and only Rogue Trooper Annual. And a bit, actually, of a coming out party for this new Friday version of the character. we got several new stories, all written by Michael Fleischer with top 2008 art talent. Um, it's, it's even with the 2000 AD annual, I believe it being, uh, three pounds and 95 pence. But the big news for this one is my guest for this episode, Sheridan of the Backprog Hack. Welcome back, Sheridan. Let's knife. Yeah. All right. Wait, I don't know if Friday says that though. I think he just kind of says his, says his GI mantra or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You've been, been burying yourself deep underground in, pre- in preparation to, uh, to ambush this, uh, this annual broadcast, I hope. And yeah. <laughs> all that. Yeah. He does all do this that. Rogue yeah. Trooper stuff. Yeah. L- l- listen, Rogue burying himself. That's his go to strategy, I frankly. Uh, again, may- less Friday, but they- it's more sort of a-, a side thing he does. But you know, the standard stuff. Yeah, you say that, but he does. We'll be getting to do that. Oh yeah, no, he does get he does bury himself in the course of this thing. Yeah, yeah, no, listen. Oh, that's more of an involuntary, yeah. involuntary burial. You know. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so we've talked a fair bit actually. You were last he- um, on on this show for the 1990 Dread Annual back in June of this year. Yep. And we had you on for the Star Lordathon and stuff, so you know, showed up here a fair bit. I definitely appreciate how uh, I, I I hope you're holding up okay as we're sort of uh, uh, tr- uh, uh, slogging through these progs and so forth. I think it'll be a bit more relaxing now. It's not live, and we've had more sleep. Oh yes, I mean, listen, those <laughs> there's nothing like those last couple hours of the <laughs> of the Star Lordathon to really um truly put any other broadcasting in, in perspective for me, I must say. Just of like being really at the at 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 the end of our rope, Fox and me. <laughs> we were getting towards the end of that. You know, especially like, you know, um yeah. Dealing with um with lack of sleep and people being angry at us for still being awake and other <laughs> things like that. Just a very complicated situation. <laughs> Uh, okay, excellent. So, uh, so I, uh, why did you pick this annual? Is there any like does this have a, a a place in your heart or an interest for you or anything like that? Well, uh, when War Machine came out, it had come out after about four years of Bahit's stories, and sure. that was a welcome relief. And this looks like it was going to carry on the quality of War Machine, mm. and well, I thought this annual on its own managed to hold up quite well. But yeah, enough about that for time yeah. being. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you we'll, know, it's very. Um, we'll get to that at the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting time in Rogue Trooper for sure. They're the start of this new character and like a a general and as a big part of this general ethos in 2000 AD of being kind of unhappy with the older stuff in the history of 2000 yeah. AD. It's also the last proper of, hardback annual that they did. 
Yeah, no, this this year 1990 is the last is the last year of annuals. It's very uh we're we're definitely like ne- in 91 will be on to yearbooks. So all the rest of the all the rest of these ones who have sort of, you know, it's sort of the end of the line for these more longer running ones that we'll yeah. be talking about later like like uh coming up on the show, the 2080 annual, the dread annual, things like that for sure. Yeah, exciting times. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of your uh, Backprog hack blog, where you're we're sort of you know almost every day at least you try to have a a, a recap of a 2000 AD uh, uh, prog or something else sort of thrill related and stuff. Thanks. Um, it's it's really funny as I'll say as we're recording this, um, you're right in the middle of 1984, so halfway through like Halo Jones and Dread Annual. The Strontium Dog Outlaw story, but more noticeably, like the precise reprinted Rogue Troopers that were in this annual are also being covered by your blog this week. It's crazy. That was a bit of a surprise when I opened this up. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very much the hands of fate, like... um, Like, 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 creating some sort of weird, uh, weird coincidence. The great magnet of 2000 AD, I guess. <laughs> sort of combining all these things together. Um, awesome. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I guess as we get into this thing, it is a great time for us to do this rogue annual in 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 regular two that in regular space spinner. We've just reached a couple of big points, most notably for this, actually, um, last episode, we just finished the War Machine story. So we're very much primed for this annual and more more Friday stories. Um, You know, but besides the end of War Machine, we've got also some sort of minor notes and other stories. And we're we're reading Necropolis and Judge McGruder and and Chief Judge McGruder and Cadet Giant just showed back up again. The Harlem Heroes just got framed for the murder of the President of the United States and most of the cabinet. Medivac 318's going undercover to Planet Arcturus. And, uh, you know, Johnny Alpha died. So there's that too. Like sort of an eventful, an eventful week in Space Spinner <laughs> coming into this one. Um, but I guess without further ado, maybe it's time for us to kind of just jump into this here annual. Start, start Robo Hunt or start our Rogue Trooper in. Oh, yep. man. <laughs> so, Pretty uh, traditional uh, cover on the annual here. We get this picture of Friday in kind of a spacey war zone. It's by Will Simpson, who did the um, who did the art for um, War Machine and stuff. So this is very much like picking up from where that one left off and things like that. Um, we're still probably about yeah, like I think it's seven eleven or seven twelve where Ron Sim- where, where Ron Smith takes over yeah. on uh on 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 the art for Friday, but very much. At this point, still very much Will Simpson's character, I think. Um, and yeah, and then the, the the inside cover has another Friday. This one with his helmet off, sort of walking around in like this very 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 uh, Vietnam looking sunset, I guess. Maybe yeah. just because there's helicopters and stuff around it, but it's, it's got that that sense to me. In the uh, on the bottom of the table of contents on this page, it says this is a uh, a concept art by um, by Dave Gibbons. Which is kind of interesting. I think it, to me, it's pretty clear it's a concept just because it's got these very obvious like North and South insignias. Oh yeah, I've noticed that. Like, yeah, like yeah, like a Friday's helmet has a Souther insignia on it, and this there's a ruined tank behind it that's got a North symbol on it. And while those symbols do feature a little bit in Friday, they're much less of a big deal. And so this feels like it was sort of the uh, like yeah like like an initial version of it when before sort of I guess the uh, 
the anti-corporatist message of of War Machine would sort of you know come to the come to fore, I guess. Yeah, you've also got Hoppers against the Sunset there, which is very apocalypse now. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. That's what I mean. It's very Vietnam sky with this sort of big sunset, and then yeah, Hoppers or yeah, yeah, their version of helicopters yeah. set against it and stuff like that. Um, Definitely with the cover uh, at this point, you you probably aren't getting this yourself because you'd be seeing reprints in maybe digital versions if they've been digitized. Mm-hmm. But when it was originally uh, published, it was very murky. So you had this fully painted, gorgeous art from Will Simpson, but it was printed on this kind of... It wasn't the toilet paper uh, quality of paper, but it wasn't, you know, no, it yeah, wasn't white, a, so it didn't jump out. I've got that. a copy of it myself, yeah. but yeah, it is... It is a, yeah. It's true that in comparison to the digital copy I have, this one is a little, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the cover here is a little bit more, yeah, it, ha- it, it, it pops a lot less because I think the digital version of Simpson's stuff, like his blues are very bright. You get yeah. these like really like, 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 like neon blues or cyans or something yeah. in his coloring that I don't think come, yeah, you're right, doesn't come along as well in the, in the physical version. Yeah. And I don't have uh, any reprints of the War Machine. I've got the original, uh, folks, and it's really quite dark. Yeah. Cool. So let's. So okay. <laughs> Enough of this introduction. We're getting to the the story itself. Now is the time. Thrill one decoys. <laughs> um. So okay. Script robot Michael Fleischer. Art robot Chris Weston. Letter robot Annie Parkhouse. Um. All the uh, all the comics and all the new comics, I should say, and this are written by Michael Fleischer. This is very much. Like this is one of these rare annuals that that's a two man game, but the two men aren't John Wagner and Alan Grant. You know, <laughs> like yeah. they're the guys who usually won two of these annuals. But this annual is very much a uh, a Michael Fleischer Jerry Finley Day sort of joint, I guess. Little bit of John Smith mixed in there as well, of yeah. course. Um, but yeah. So um, at, so uh, now that uh, or, or sorry, I I. I like Chris Weston back on uh, on Friday. Of course, the draw way more Friday in the progs as well. But I think it's cool that after after um, finishing off fr- uh, the original Rogue Trooper in the Winter Special last year, now he's back on the annual with this very early Friday action. You know, uh, got kicking it off. So Friday's on the run from Marauders in a stolen vehicle. It's sort of this little plane that looks kind of like a like a tuk tuk with like a jet with with wings and jet engines strapped onto the roof, basically. Yeah, it reminds me of the flying machine in Mad Max Two. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the, yeah, it's got a very ultra light kind of feel to it. Yeah. I think that's sort of like like we've just tossed some wings on something. Hopefully, you can go fast enough to fly. You know. Um, <laughs> The whole area he's in is full of marsh gas. There's no obvious place to land safely until he spots what seems like an airfield in the middle of a swamp. But, may, but not, not actually an airport. It's a fake airport. Uh, Friday crash lands into it anyway as the locals come pouring out to attack him. Uh, they're after cargo, it seems, but Friday doesn't have any. But instead just sort of kicks everyone's ass for like, a couple panels to sort of establish himself as being real tough. And, they, and the, uh, the locals kind of, kind of surrender or at least ask to stop fighting and stuff like that. Um, this whole place seems to be an air, uh, a decoy air base in the middle of this unlandable area to, to get sort of ships to land so the locals can steal their cargo and stuff. Um, and as all this is explained, Friday gets a proximity alarm in a special command helmet. Um, <clears throat> it's the Marauders coming after him! But he realizes that he has some kind of plan, so he hands out these, like, 
transponder modules to all the locals and gets them into what, what he says is a landing configuration. We're seeing some very Michael Fleischer stuff with these, um, this section, this page is full of these unnecessary, um, unnecessary abbreviations, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of like, like, oh, we gotta, I gotta program this CPU, ah, central processing unit, you know? Um, oh, he escaped in an AED, an airborne, or an AEU and an airborne escape unit. Oh, geez. We're seeing this in Fleischer's, uh, hero, uh, Harlem Heroes run as well. Likes these, uh, likes these abbreviations. Um, but so he sets up these, uh, transponders in a landing configuration and the marauders then use them to land because any port in the storm, I guess, and they're getting close to rogue. Um, but when he, but they, he, Friday's programmed them incorrectly. So they think they're a hundred meters higher up than they actually are. And they smash right into the airfield. Oh, geez. And once they do that, the locals come in and kill them all. And good times. Uh, the winds of war are capricious, but it's an, it's a, it's an ill one indeed that benefits nobody. Cause these, cause these scavengers are going to have a, are eaten tonight off the bodies of these dead, of these dead marauders or something. <laughs> and Friday walks off into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> so when they mentioned cargo, I thought they were going to be like cargo cultists. Mm-hmm. So the, me too. Yeah. The, uh, in case anyone doesn't know, the islands that the US military had occupied during the second world war as landing bases. The natives had thought that uh, if they had airstrips, then cargo would just come down from the sky. And after the US lost interest in the islands after the war had finished, they still carried on doing this. And I think they still carry on doing this to this day, like 60 or 70 years later. And that's, yeah, that's what I thought yeah. these guys were going to be. They're actually just wreckers who kill people and steal their stuff. Yeah, it, it mm. also, this one actually reminds me of one of these like apocryphal world war ii stories that was like um i think it was it was it was one side once you know whichever side you want to make fun of basically but like the you know the british built a or or the germans built a fake a fake air base out of wood to like confuse allied bombers and so they spent all this time doing it and then um you know a B-52 flies over it and drops like a wooden bomb onto the fake airbase or something like that. Like, <laughs> oh, like we knew what you were doing or whatever. Like that, it had that feel to me as well. Just sort of like, you know, oh, like here's all these like, you know, this, the, these fakes within fakes of this weird future, yeah. future war, you know. Um, and speaking of fakes within fakes, <laughs> let's talk about Thrill 2. Thank God it's Friday. Which is this text article? I believe it's uncredited. Um, wait, no, Michael actually, no, Bonner. That's not right. Michael Bonner. Yeah, that's right. Michael Bonner. Yeah, who is um, is basically just just talking about the history of of, of Rogue Trooper. I guess um, it's interesting because they do kind of talk about this i this two th- thing in 2008 editorial about wanting to modernize top 2008 characters in like 1997 yeah. i guess which i guess would be like dread starting at a conscience in like case for treatment and stuff and rogue trooper becoming a galactic hitman and just the i guess the, the decision to kill johnny alpha i guess yeah but this like is sort of a- this was also the time of beef event that uh, watchman and dark knight returns so everything had to be grim yeah. and gritty Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing that coming to its head as I'm about, I'm, I'm starting to record the, uh, the magazine 
our magazine podcast, Big Meg One, and very much feels like, you know, just generally, you know, I mean, I, um, I mean, American comics is like this too, where it's like, oh, like, you know, comics aren't just for kids. Yep. They've got, you know, they could be for grownups, but they're only in, in grownups for one very, in one very specific way, which usually involves things being very dark and a yep. lot of trench coats or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's sort of this sort of early nineties comic era, you know, as uh, um, Neil Gaiman said in books <laughs> of magic, the charge of a trench coat brigade. Absolutely. Oh, like, yeah, listen, Neil <laughs> Gaiman's went to talk. You feel like, you know, <laughs> He's 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 a key <laughs> offender as much as anybody, both in comics and real life, frankly. But um, but it's very much this this big yeah, like just sort of this idea of oh, we've gotta we we've gotta grow up a little bit. I feel like the they're one out of three in effective or no, I don't know. I guess dread was or no, dread was good. I, I'm not so sure about killing Johnny Alpha, and I think. The hit storylines for, for, for Rogue Drag. Trooper really, uh, yeah. really speak for themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do think it's, um, one thing is interesting here. And it was actually, I, I remember it being like this in the, uh, in the first Dread Annual is that this story doesn't have any 2000 AD kayfabe, I guess. Yeah. Like they talk about Steve McManus being the editor and then Richard Burton being the editor and My stuff. Tharg There's and no like they yeah, yeah, they aren't consulting with Tharg or whatever. You know, they're very much like this is just sort of actual editorial decisions and stuff, which I think is interesting. Um I mean I feel like th- w- when they did that in the Dread Annual and revealed that John Wagner was John yeah. Howard or whatever. That's when they like switched to T.B. Grover because that like identity had been burned or something like that. That's what, that, that was, what was my thinking. Um, yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's sort of yeah. Though the, these various combinations of the you know they, 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 like they they switched John Howard to being like the receptionist yeah. or something like that. The previous Wagner. Um, Wagner alias. Sorry, I feel like because I feel like as a as a someone who's doing the one of these uh, in depth prog slogs, I could I could talk yep. to you about these in depth um, um, references, and you'll get them in a way that I can't count on anybody else to. So I, I apologize. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I I think I've read those stories within the last year. Yeah, like they're yeah they're still reasonably fresh for you, so I can sort of sort of bring it all up, you know. Um, but yeah, so um, I thought it was also interesting that they talk about the VCs was originally yeah. going to be in Star Lord, which is kind of cool um and then they kind of go into a history of the design of rogue generally yeah, there was I think. one part where i do uh, dave yeah. gibbons said that he came up with the idea for bioships in the first place yeah i don't know like honestly i like i don't know if i like this origin story just because i feel like it feels like a lot of like with a lot of these early things i think there's some politics involved here just because i feel like jerry finley day comes off very badly in the course of this of 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 this creation story of rogue whereas um whereas gibbons and and mcmanus are are sort of treated as much more sort of correcting for finley day's uh, mistakes or something like that yeah yeah, they definitely because like they kind of talk about how um yeah like you know trying to figure out how um how to make these biochips work and sort of how the initial idea wasn't that great. Um, yeah, that's it. So Dave know. said that he came up with the idea of Rogue having a creature on his back that's symbiotically linked to his mind that he could talk to, uh, but there were mm-hmm. the, the haunted like ghosts of his old platoon, like a Lone Ranger. And then Steve threw in a bio bio chips, obviously yeah, I, taking I, that from yeah. Judge Dredd, which had run about a year earlier. 
Yeah, and uh, in in, yeah. in in the Dutch Child, as I recall, in that one. Um, yeah, and then I think it's also, and then I think uh, Steve also says that he sort of decided to make it like uh, k- uh, kung fu, like a the the kung fu yeah. TV show or that sort of other things. I know in our in my it, when I did the collection for the first Rogue Trooper, I talked a lot about being like the fugitive and that kind of thing of just these sort of ep- very episodic, just sort of a person with a larger plan going from one little situation to another is very much the defining the defining characteristic yeah. of that first like Rogue Trooper. Like a lot Trooper, of TV shows of the seventies and eighties. Um, that's true. Yeah, very like, much just sort of like yeah, a lot of shows where it's just sort of someone wandering and coming into a small town and having Hulk. to deal with things. Yeah, you incredible have Hulk, to sort of have Knight Rider, 18, incredible Hulk. even Highway to Heaven. But they're all like that. Absolutely. Little yeah, no, Hobo. very much the yeah, Rogue Trooper, yeah, Little shows Future War. <laughs> Def, yeah, definitely, yeah. What, what, it's always like the, uh, like, like the D and D, like where people call the the yeah. average D and D party <laughs> a bunch of murder hobos or something. This is very much a a town saving hobo, hobo or something. I like but it. you know, yeah, yeah. But but it's good because you only have to like, you know, you only have to have like one or two re- reoccurring cast members, and then you can just hire yeah. on hire on guest stars for everybody else. And you don't have to have that have a, a big regular cast, you know. Just shoot yeah. wherever, Something shoot I on found your vacation. You know? This is the kind of stuff that would not have been uh, mentioned in a prog at a time because it was about other comics and other publishers. So Steve Dillon was becoming mm-hmm. a co-editor of Deadline at the time. Uh, so that's why he stopped doing the hits. Right. And Dave Gibbons couldn't draw oops, uh, couldn't draw uh, War Machine because he was working on Give Me Liberty for him. I think it's Frank Miller, wasn't it? Oh, wow. I think, yeah, yeah I think so. I, f- I forget, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, honestly, like, man, as we're entering these late, eight, like, you know, nobody can just yeah. work and in 2000 AD Will, at this point just because of, yeah. of their pay and work uh, levels Will and Simpson things like that. Will Simpson was going to go know? off to uh, Toxic to do Sex Warrior with Pat Mills. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're right on the right on the verge of Toxic, too. Oh, oh there's so many, so many of these, of, the, of these, like, side projects I'd love to talk about. Like, I keep seeing deadline ads in yeah. 2000 ad at this point and i'm like man i want to ch- i gotta check that comic out because that seems like it's the it's the bold experimental one in comparison to 2000 ad being yeah. all, all stodgy and i was in school at this time like it's costing me a lot every month it's like toxic judge dread crisis revolver <laughs> 2000 ad i bet yeah yeah no there's just a lot coming in yeah that now the meg yeah the magazine's coming out in the late 80s it's a or in in the 90s there's just a uh you know, this is this weird, like, uh, like, like a uh, uh, golden age of comics within yeah. the Bronze Age or whatever. <laughs> like, where, where does everybody realize is that there's money in comics suddenly? You know, we're sort of like this is the this is the start of the up part of the roller coaster until like '96 or yep. whatever when everything crashes. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, we continue with so so this whole thing. Yeah, they, they talk about the creation of Rogue. They talk like I love that they're so pro. Like they 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 try to present the hit as such a positive <laughs> step forward and stuff like that. No, and it's just so funny because I feel like it's so universally loathed by both by both readers and creative talent. Frankly, like I know I know Chris Weston when I talked to him about Rogue said that he thought the hit was terrible, like was a terrible idea and just did bad stuff with the character and stuff all these all these artists try desperately to try to claw the characters back and stuff like that um they do talk uh nicely about uh both cinnabar and chris weston's um 
capper for the for the story. I like that they say like, all right, we tied up all the loose ends with that one. Like that was sort of, you know, <laughs> we finished that one and we were able to move on. Um, and then sort of leaves us in this position of, uh, yeah, of a rogue trooper being being ready to go start a, a, a new lease on life with um the you know with with, with an american writer and a and, and a bevy of 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 top of top artists and stuff ready to set him on a new path and starts things like off that well. or, you know yeah starts off in theory well. at least yeah yeah listen bright you know i mean you know uh, a bright start at least like like a nice uh, yeah. a nice sunrise but we'll see how it goes um but speaking of a uh, dark of a, of a, of a, the darker days of the past literally cuz it's hard to see uh, <laughs> let's go to thrill 3 blinded uh script robot Jerry Finley Day art robot Steve Dillon letter robot Tom Frame Classic rogue trooper action here from Prague uh, 379 and 380. I just want to see. Hold on, I'm just checking briefly my physical copy to see if it has it. Yeah, it doesn't. Cool. Yeah, in my uh, in my scanned copy, it's got the cover for this as well because they they're generally reprinting the old version, like from the actual Prague's. Oh, nice. And yeah, you've got the physical copy too well. because. I, I remember that, yeah. the 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 color the color back uh, uh, ending of these stories. Those one of those rare times we saw Rogue actually be blue in the comics. <laughs> but because of the uh, of the formatting of these old two thousand ads in the annual, these ones have this top bar um, with Thor reading that says a classic thrill power from the two thousand eighty archive, just to sort of take up some empty space that these more square classic. Prog shapes would leave in the uh, in the an- in the more book like annual, um, but yeah. So yeah, we covered these ones on our episode eleven uh, eight classic stuff so long ago. Um, but so yeah, this is uh, yeah, and, and, and like I said earlier, yeah, right, right. The 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 very back prog hack that came yeah. out um, today for me at least is the what I'm is, uh, is what we're talking story. about here. Steve Dillon on art. Nice. Yeah. Listen, it's a crazy. I love the end of this story just because I love when Gunner gets indignant. But uh, <laughs> so, so, um, Steve Dillon's on this one. We've just finished that just routine story, which is a very, like, I don't know. I feel like that one's always a turning point in Rogue for me. But it's, uh, yeah, it's time for the, apparently, speaking of routine, it's time for, or the coast seems clear. So Rogue decides to give the chips their annual cleaning. Aw, geez. After taking out some, ro- some, some, uh, Norts and stuff like that, of course, as you do. Um, yeah, blows a couple, bl- blows a couple, blows away a couple, uh, uh, Norts with, with rifle and grenades, and then goes to remove the chips and start cleaning them. But suddenly, a bunch of Norts with experimental missiles see him and fire a Dazzler missile at Rogue. Oh, he's been blinded. <clears throat> like, jumping into action, the blind Rogue re-slots the chips and tries to fight back. But, oh, jeez. <clears throat> Sorry. Bagman's in the gun, Gunner's in the helmet, and Helm's in the backpack. Oh, you screwed it up, Rogue. You screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Just rogue, rogue running, and like Gunner just shouting at. Or I, I, I guess actually it's three, yeah. so it's Bagman. Um, rogue just running for cover and being like, "Oh, we're in the wrong place, and it's all <laughs> it's your a fault." Bit like about his first episode. <laughs> um, 
So <laughs> Rogue's blind. Yeah. The chip. Oh, good. Uh, something I like is yeah, uh, it's got infrared, so that Rogue can see in the first place. He sees Nauts using chem clouds as camouflage. The Nauts use thermal imaging so they can see him. So it's all about vision and sight, seeing things. And then he gets blinded. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's neat. Actually, yeah. That's a good. That's a good setup for sure. Just yeah, talking about like like, like they. I mean, I guess it, it probably doesn't need that much, but they do establish yeah. how much vision is important in the war before um, um, making them be blind here. Yeah, Rogue's blind. The chips are all messed up. Oh, geez, really great Steve Dillon art of Rogue just sort of blundering around the battlefield, blind to the part of the second at the, at the part of the second start here. Just like, Batman ah, is being a really know. bad soldier. Um, yeah, he's just a he's yeah. real. You know, all these guys are real whiners here. Uh, honestly, Batman in the gun because uh, Rogue, Rogue was expecting a gun to telekinesis oh, yes. towards him, and it's the wrong chip in there, so it doesn't. That's right. So Nort's captured the gun. And they say, according to intelligence, <laughs> yeah, it is called Yeah, he doesn't know gunner. what's going on here. Yeah. And what Bagman should do is give name, rank, number. That's it. That's all a soldier should tell the enemy. What he actually says is, yeah. I'm Bagman. Rogue re-slotted us the wrong way around. So you're not just... You, you're like giving away important... <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, buddy, don't you... Yeah, FYI, my buddy's at yeah. a disadvantage against you, so don't be jerks. I'm like, oh, okay, good, good, good operational security here, buddy. Then um, again, as as yeah. uh, they've got his gun, Rogue wanders blindly yeah, around. As Gunner yeah. calls him later, he's a kook. That really shows it. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, there's the uh, the North's going house to house to take uh, to take Rogue out, but he's sort of h- hiding around here. Helm in the backpack keeps uh, dispensing the wrong stuff. He's throwing like his first date, like he's he threw like a plasma bottle at him instead of a grenade, or just like like a bottle of blood or whatever. Um, real bad, real bad times here. Um, luckily, though, because Gunner does have this telekinesis ability still from when Rogue did that side quest to unlock gun kinesis or whatever, um, now helmet in the now 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 Gunner in the helmet is able to fly around and use Helm's razor sharp edges to like take out the chem suits of the Nord troopers and stuff, and that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Flying helmet, like he's just yeah, Rogue's just just odd jobbing his way through yeah. this through this fight yeah uh, meanwhile um 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 helm in ba- in the backpack is just pulling every single thing out of the back of um of the backpack just to try to find something useful just a lot of like you know finds like a boom box and wire cutters computer spares nothing works eventually though he does find find some grenades and so rogue is able to do a sweet backflip move and throw the grenades at these norts and take them out which is pretty solid um <laughs> meanwhile bagman Inside, inside uh, the gun, manages to shoot the uh, the Nord missile tank because they've sort of left him lying around, and he's like, "Oh yes, but I'm pointed in just the right direction." So he shoots a missile tank, and that blows up as well. Good times. The rest of the Norths are taken out, and as he does, Rogue's sight returns. The chips, of course, ch- uh, start bickering, and Rogue tries to to uh, to to sell this as like a learning experience. Like, you're like, ah, oh, like, you're a, uh, you know, you get, you guys are a team. Like, you, you help me with, uh, with all this stuff. That's excellent. And the dice are like, um, and, or, or sorry, and the chips are like, no way, buddy. <laughs> like, listen, we all hate each other and you put us in the wrong spot. You messed up. <laughs> yeah. 
And eventually Rogue is just sort of walks off into the sunset being like, hey, like, listen, you guys are all good at your work, but you need a body to carry you around. And, and that's me. There won't be anyone around to retrieve it by <laughs> chip in my head. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, it makes you think. Some, something this story um, makes you think is without that bickering between the biochips, it's going to be a really quiet story like all the other stories in this annual. I mean, it is very much, yeah. I mean, I feel like the decision to, to not have the biochips in, in Friday really makes, it fe- makes me feel like just like not realizing yeah. why people like Rogue Trooper kind of when, when remaking it. Because, like, I guess you could say that people yeah. just like sort of futuristic war fighting, but it, I mean, it's very much just on a blank canvas. If it's just, you know, I mean, obviously, we'll, we, we yeah. will talk more about this over the over the coming years and in, in 2000 AD. But it just makes Friday just this kind of blank murder canvas without much going on when there aren't, you know, when he can't have like like a conversation yeah. with a friend or something like that. You know, having having comrades that you can, you know, do stuff with is, a, is such a feature of war movies yeah. I, or but of war stories and stuff. In, and to sort of in that previous that article, real, it says, Jerry felt he couldn't write a story where there was just one lone man because of the problems in explaining the narrative. And that's from Dave, that's Dave Gibbons' words about Jerry. Yeah. And this just this really does highlight yeah, what's well, missing yeah, and what's, from and Friday. We, you know, it works. It works for one or two stories, but just series yeah, after well, series. Yeah, and and my problem with it is that that's presented as like a weakness of Jerry of of Finley yeah. Day's like storytelling ability or something like that. But honestly, yeah. like dialogue's a big part of comics, and like to just sort of be like, no, we're just going to have narration boxes. It's not the same. Like it's definitely not. Um, but so this one ends with a next prog death valley, although or and or does it say that in, the, in this one? Well, it just sorry, says the end. The old progs, I got to look it up. Well, just one moment. Uh, okay, because they could say they yeah. could say like uh, like later, like the uh, page says whatever death valley, death valley in or this something. Prog, yeah. It just says the end. Yeah, the actual says the end. Yeah, it's funny. I wish they had sort of I don't know linked them up just because they are they are linked in the actual um um comic timeline. But so that takes us to this next one. Speaking of our <laughs> of our discussion comparing these guys actually. Uh Thrill Four, Old Rogue, New Rogue. Or as internet memes would say, uh <laughs> old old and rogue rogue. <laughs> <laughs> but so this is just a uh, it's a breakdown of uh, of a rogue versus Friday um, art on both sides by by Chris Weston here, um, and it sort of has like like the sort of the, the differentiations like they're their classifications created by fights for nickname theater of war stuff like that, um, and just sort of talking about yeah just you know just the basic differences between these guys. Um, and then also a rundown of, of, a of, a when they first and last appeared in the, uh, in the comic and stuff like that, like when their first appearance was and their last appearance was, et cetera. Um, I think it is kind of interesting to see the same artist draw the, ca- draw both characters to really get a direct comparison between them. Um, I re- I've just realized cause you don't see them a lot actually, but, but rogue, ha- yep. uh, rogue has these little ankle <laughs> boots that I'm not a huge fan of. 
And um, and Chris Weston is very much taking from the superhero school for Rogue's pants, where it's very much just sort of draw someone naked and maybe you know just draw legs and maybe put some cloth, uh, some some cloth, uh, yeah. like some little like folds and creases in their naked leg, <laughs> as opposed to actually trying to draw pants and stuff like that. Um, I do. I really. It does really bring a bring a real a sharp focus on how. I guess, like, I don't know, again, just to kind of go back to these comic styles, but sort of early 90s Friday is with all of his, like, <laughs> pouches and bandoliers and just sort of, like, general yep. kit that he's got on himself, you know? Like, just all these all these things that we knew were – that are, are you know, really speak to kind of a Cable-esque, yep. like, like, like the, uh, the, the Marvel character – like um, you know, it's 1990, and these guys gotta have pouches. <laughs> kind of, kind of look to them, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a uh, like I could definitely see why they like again. Just remembering the time, I think it's pretty clear why they'd want the the characters to look this way. So it's hard to begrudge them. But it does feel like very much kind of kind yeah. of trend trend chasing, I guess. Um, so I guess um, you know. Enough about, uh, but I guess let, let's go to a more kind of esoteric Friday story with uh, Thrill 5, Marching as to War. Yep. And more Chris Weston, actually. Um, script robot John Smith, art robot Chris Weston. And it's a tech story for this one. I mean, I guess we already had one with the uh, history of Rogue and stuff, but now we're getting into it by, 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 by getting John Smith in here. Hooray! Sort of with, with you do, with, you do with, not with need the credits to know this is a John <laughs> Smith story. I mean, it's a real telling detail. I think just from what I've seen in all these annuals, that the font they use for this one is just a yep. standard like Times New Roman font. Like this is just very much a regular, regular looking like yep. you'd write a high school paper with this kind of font. Whereas often instead they'll use this kind of artificially widened stuff to kind of add to page lengths and stuff. Like no, they they uh they're comfortable with how many pages they're getting out of the story. So they don't gotta do any tricks, you know? Um yeah, but like 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 any John Smith story in an annual, this one's very weird. Um it's it seems like it's the story of uh, of Friday and the rest of the uh, of the Clavel GIs sort of still in basic training, doing kind of like a, 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 a test landing in a hostile environment and then marching to a military installation. But as they go, they've got this uh, like cybernetic implant in their back. FGV, I think it is. Like the uh, – what's it called? They, they call it a – yeah, yeah, it's 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 the FGV. Oh, they call Gibson. it the Gibson deck briefly, which I'm I just going to assume is a, William, is a I'll William Gibson, William Gibson reference. Yeah, William um, Gibson was I got to do with it. Yeah, no, William Gibson. Yeah. No, I. It took me a second. No, yeah. it's very much yeah this sort of cyber tech stuff. I think, um, and it seems like as they march, the implant makes them basically trip balls as they do. Um, Friday remembers different like like sort of remembers back to various difficult parts of his early life as a GI. He remembers himself being a kid and there's being like sort of like test failures around a, a Millicom or whatever as he's sort of growing up. Other people in his platoon are having full like psychotic break hallucinations and stuff. Someone says like, oh, like, yeah. look at those planes, man. They're flying guillotines, man. It's things like that. Um, 
But again, very much just um, yeah. very, very much so John Smith creating some wordscapes here words, is what I want to like say. Deep dream, deep warm, <laughs> deep dark warm, all one word. Um, but most of all, it's for body horror. It's yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Swaying yeah, yeah, yeah. Roof cages with birds trapped inside. Suits of empty skin. The mosaics made out of vertebrae, knuckle bones. You know it's John Smith doing this. Exactly. Yeah. Just all this again. Yeah. Very. Again. Yeah. Very. Very Smithian sort of work here is what I I simply say. Especially in a tech story format where he always just just delights yeah. and giving me a lot to think about as we sort of work our way through all these specials and annuals and stuff. Um, yeah. And so you know, eventually though, he snaps out of it and they sort of I don't know reach the march or something. I'll say also what I do kind of like is and I can't I can't tell if this is just on if this is on purpose as like a joke or just sort of part of the rogue trooper guidelines or stuff but there is a good amount of these um like just abbreviations and yeah like sort of technical terms for things you know like it's not a sergeant instructor like like it's not a drill sergeant it's an nco instructor you know they've got like like their missions in en you know yeah. the idea of this thing is called the fgv or whatever like this feels like a thing that they're really trying to do in this in this friday rogue of just tossing some some extra jargon into the story to kind of like make it feel i guess maybe make it feel more more realistic or, or grittier or something like that i don't know it's, it's got that sort of like feel to me like like we're trying to do something by using these terms a lot well military does like its uh, acronyms and initialisms yeah Absolutely, yeah. No, if, if yeah, yeah, it feels sort of in character with making more, yeah, like sort of, yeah, again, like you know, quote unquote realistic, you know, <laughs> but like this, this sci-fi <laughs> mega corporation military is going to be realistic, by God, like that's sort of what it feels like to me. Um, after that, there's an ad for the 2000 AD annual that's covered by Brett Ewins, and again, the 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 terrible revelation that I'm not done with Moonrunners just yet. The story never dies. <laughs> now, I think that's Bellardinelli's last work, isn't it? For 2000 AD, I it, it's definitely yeah. his last. Um, it's his last series on 2000 AD. After Moonrunners, he'll do a couple more future. I, I don't think he, I think his last future shock is in like the mid seven hundreds. I want to yeah. say, like, but it comes after a big drought of his of his work on the thing. I mean, he's def he definitely feels like one of these folks that um the edit, yeah. that the current editorial well, team sees current... as, as too old fashioned um for the hip for the hip new two thousand eight either building. Yeah, in my current slog, he's just come back on Ace Guard, uh, breaking out of prison. And you can tell that it's having fun uh, yes. drawing Ace Garp and Aliens. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I feel like, like Ace Garp, like like those um those Ace Trucking ones really felt like Bellardinelli yeah. did it. Like was was really having a lot of fun with things. I think just the um especially I I I missed it, but yeah. I think you did pinpoint it when his scarf becomes animated. I think that's really like. That's stuff that really feels like Beller, like like a good cameo yeah. or something. That's the kind of stuff Bellardinelli really likes tossing into the comic to sort of for that that can't be in the script and must just like I I I have to yeah, imagine totally aside him just sort of like having a good time with it and stuff. Different artistic foibles that I like. Um, where I was a bit surprised when they weren't there right from the beginning. So it's mm -hmm. um, Ace Garp's animated scarf because that's mm -hmm. just one of the things I think. Oh, his scarf is animated. Yeah, early stories it is it doesn't do that uh yeah 
That's crazy. Yeah, that's an, uh, an um, amazing to imagine. Just uh, yeah, yeah um, such, a second such, one, such, which such hasn't a quite key part not yet. being there He's from the start. Not the I time when Ian Gibson does dread the shoulder eagle is animated. Like it will look around and yeah, and that hasn't quite happened yet. But mm, I think yeah, it's like look, soon a, in my look around. Yeah, and a third one, and this has just started in the last couple of weeks. Is uh, Judge Dredd's helmet having frown lines on it? And that has just started in. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, the frowny helmet. <laughs> Ron Smith. Yeah, no, that's yeah. A, that, I feel like that's a big Ron Simpson. Yeah. Uh, 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 Ron Smith um, innovation. The, uh, the frown. I mean, it it makes as much sense as yeah. when like <laughs> Spider Man narrows the eyes of his mask. You know, like it's. I feel like you. I feel like no one can yeah. throw stones. I just at like that. the way like, it's so know, grumpy. It seems reasonable. You know. Lines. <laughs> Which, <laughs> He probably requisitions yeah. it, you know, tight boot, tight boots, frowny helmet, you know, whereas, yep. whereas Judge Powell or whatever gets the, uh, gets the smiley helmet, you know, and sort of goes in the opposite direction. Um, so speaking of, speaking of frowny, of frowny faces, let's go to Throw Six, the war game. More, uh, classic, uh, classic stories from the 2080 archive. Um, uh, also from from your neck of the woods, uh, three Prague, this one was in Prague. Yeah, I think I haven't quite come across our it episode uh, eleven nine. Um, yeah, no, you're you're close, but not quite there yet. Um, this is the first time uh, Jose Ortiz was in um, was was in the Prague actually, though he's he's uh, and this one is uh, credited to uh, Alan Hebden as T M Hebden, yeah. Jose Ortiz as Jamie Ortiz, and then of course Tom Frame. Um, but yeah, uh, and this. Is of course a very standard future shock. I think, like, um, I know I read recently in your on your website, you kind of talked about, yeah, what like the the Ur myth of the Prague slog or something like that. Like these sort of like 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 cultures have kind of several foundational myths that that that, that track around the globe or something, and. Yeah. Yeah. So in folk tales, uh, I can never remember what it is. When I'm doing my frog song, I have to keep looking it up. But there's this uh, index of different tropes that appear in folk songs and folk <laughs> stories. And I've just taken right. uh, that and then added Farg onto the end so that I can add alien invaders. And they turn out to be humans all along. Excellent. Yeah, this is very much one of the like, like, yeah. This one is is the uh, is the uh, mysterious attackers turn out to be something unusual. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, future shock, which is right yeah. up there with like, actually, they're very tiny. Or, um, um, yep. What, what, like, um, it's it's all a video game, or like, like, um, time travel. You know, it was actually time travelers, things like that. These sort of like, you know. Same four or five future shocks that happen all over and over again, you know. I just love the idea, like just that, you know, we can like that it's so classifiable because this one's very much like we see like, you know, a bunch of soldiers, they're fighting a masked enemy on a uh, on a futuristic war field. We learn that the enemies are pretty short and stuff, but they're also super invincible. And it's because they eventually beat these soldier guys and remove their helmets. And it turns out that the evil aliens are actually radioactive <laughs> mutant children. Oh, no. And they're all blonde children. It's a bit of a village of a damned. Huh? <laughs> it's so great. Just this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very. Uh, yeah. Village of the damned. Children of the corn or whatever. Yeah. Just Watch like, out for ah, blondes. Oh, no. Like the 
the the alien invaders they'll kill us all they're they're these adorable moppets oh jeez it, 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 it would probably have given up the game, but it'd be even more perfect if, if, if this had been like like a lisping kid, like doing like the W's yeah. or something like that, like 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 Walter's style, just to to really <laughs> truly amp up their general cuteness or whatever. <laughs> but it's just like the final image of this one is real funny. Just this like little girl taking off her helmet and saying, "Ah, the contest of the conquest of the world is going to be child's play as this soldier who's got a very dad, who's got a lot of dad energy coming off of him, just like is tied to a post and looks away <laughs> crying like, oh no, we'll all be doomed. <laughs> Fun, just, I don't know. Yeah, traditional future shock action. But hey, speaking of uh, deadly kids on the war zone, Sheridan, <laughs> Let's go to Thrill 7, The Undeath Project. Uh, script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Cam Smith and Tim Perkins on coloring, lettering robot Tom Frame. Early work from Cam Smith here. He won't be in the prog until 2001, I think. So who is he? Because I don't recognize the name. Um, he's just sort of... I mean, he'll he'll do a fair amount of things for uh, 2000 AD, but I think he's very much just kind of a, of a workaday... British, um, British comics, um, artist. This might be a situation where he is like, uh, this might be a tryout for him or something like that, you know? Yeah. Cause in this annual, it just says, in this annual, it just says Smith and Perkins. I was trying to figure out. So did one of them do pencils and the other do inks? And is it a Smith we've met already? In uh, in yeah, in in Barney, they they credit uh, in two thousand eighty dot org, they credit Perkins as as the colorist, and say that that it's Cam Smith who's currently working. Um, I believe he's working in um, he's doing like some Transformers UK yeah. and some Doctor Who magazine right now. He'll do um, uh, Motor Mouth in Marvel UK. And then go on to, um, yeah, just do a, yeah, more, uh, uh, Marvel UK stuff, but then also some, um, I believe some American, um, yeah. art as well for both Incredible Hulk and X-Men. As was well a little bit of Batman and Supergirl yeah. before, so, um, maybe inking Supergirl and then eventually coming back okay. in, for a 2000 AD. He'll do some Sinister Dexter in, uh, in 2001. And other stuff like that. I'm sorry, I'm just looking through his uh, credits right now. Yeah, just just doing stuff. But he definitely this isn't one of these like I don't know. I would say he's more of a of of a yeoman than I guess some of the other brighter lights yeah. that we've got elsewhere in this um, in this annual. Um, Friday's wandering the fields of Earth when he's caught in an acid rain downpour and then <laughs> is attacked by army skeletons. Oh, that's the worst kinds of skeletons. Um, <laughs> He fights them silently, and this kind of gets back to like our previous conversation, yeah. where you know if there were chips, there there could have been wisecracks in this situation, but instead it's just kind of quiet fighting, I guess. Um, the um, as he fights them, though, we see that the acid rain is being caused by some by some dudes with like a satellite dish up on a hill, basically. Like they've got a research facility or something and it looks like they're playing a game of rock, paper, scissors with these skeletons where they've got this acid rain, but the skeletons have like increasingly tougher body armor. So they've got to increase the rain acidity and it's sort of this like, I don't yeah. know, mutually assured destruction kind of thing or something like that. Um, but they got to take out, the, take them out with this acid, even if it kills Friday. 
But, oh, geez, punk kid Alex, he isn't hearing this. So he runs down to grab Friday and lead him to safety. And then there's a pretty awesome page as these skeletons are melted in the acid rain. Oh, it's pretty cool. (laughs) But once they are melted, oh, man, we cut to... um, other folks on to evil looking folks on a different computer computer console and we know they're evil because one of them says blast in a very saturday morning cartoon kind of way um and she's dressed a bit like a warhammer dark elf oh yeah she's got these shoulder pads definitely that's a very droochy look right there top knot and exposed thighs and all that kind of stuff definitely yeah no yeah absolutely yeah she could yeah she could be, yep. be a uh, a witch with a y or whatever else <laughs> is going on the dark eldar these days um <laughs> she's uh dr mikra and she, again as well as dark eldar she's got a very like kind of saturday morning cartoon antagonist feel to her just because she's kind of got henchmen and she's tired of these fiascos or whatever like a kind of a doctor claw or um actually because she wants because she talks about wanting to bulldoze orchards and acid rain is involved (laughs) like any like captain planet bad guy she's got that kind of feel like i would need to destroy those trees ready the acid rain you know that kind of stuff i need to bulldoze Um, those orchards exactly yeah it's like like, i don't know i at at first i thought this was just gonna be like an invite like i was very confused (laughs) because this feels like it's very environmental message but then the then the good guys have acid rain like that doesn't make sense I was confused by that orchard. How these stories usually go. There is actually an orchard with some sunlight pointing at it. Oh, yeah, there are like kind of trees. Yeah, yeah, trees in the background. Yeah. Um, So she also identifies Rogue as being uh, made by Clavel, which is kind of weird. It's sort of the only, definitely the only reference we've heard, we'll hear about that in the comics in this um, annual. But so we go to this town where that helped Rogue. Or Friday, I should say. I keep calling him Rogue, and I, 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 I'm not going to stop. I can promise you that. I, I will be confused. Um, but basically, this town's full of lovely or of a, of a fruit orchards, despite, of course, the rest of Earth being an apocalypse, and it seems to be caused by this ancient ruined power plant, which they're also using to create acid rain to defend themselves from these oncoming hordes. I guess I don't know. But that's that's the gist of it. But they're also reaching the limits of what that power plant can do. So, like, there's a problem. And, oh, man, I hope Rogue can solve this one. Um, <laughs> that night, Friday seems to be out on patrol, sort of look, inspecting the battle lines and stuff. When Alex comes, the, the, the kid that saves him comes up from behind and says, like, Oh, like, you're so cool, Friday. I don't want to grow plants like a sucker. I want to be a soldier <laughs> like you. And Friday's all like, whoa. Like, I'm surprised by that, but I'm not going to, like, do a speech of, like, you don't want to be like me, kid, because I'm not that kind of character, I guess. Uh, (laughs) He is shocked, though, and that morning he sees the skeleton army advancing. Oh, geez. Um, Yeah, um, the acid rain comes down, but they have a force field while they've been waiting for it to be um, perfected because... Dr. Bikra wants them to rush out. There are some gaps. So occasionally this force field kind of has holes open up and acid rain comes through and burns some dudes, but not enough to stop their forward progress. Luckily, Friday has a plan. 
he climbs aboard a nearby uh, 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 combine harvester. Someone else has the key. <laughs> We're very, uh, you know, drinking cider and so forth, <laughs> making these references. Um, and he rides out to battle in it. But as he approaches, he hears a noise. It's Alex in a back apartment of the thing. Oh, you meddling kids. And he just tells him to sort of hide in the box there because he's got to kill a bunch of people. And also, there's loads of acid rain everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's a fair point, actually. Yeah, like, you know, like you're in a very hostile environment, kids. You don't got uh, uh, GI yeah. skin like me. You know, like, come on, buddy. Like, even <laughs> I'm wearing a vest. Uh, um, Friday uh, wades in. He's sort of using the harvester to give him extra mobility as he grenades and shoots all these skeletons and stuff. But as they die, they give off a weird yellow gas. And as he breathes it in, oh, his the skin on his arms starts to melt. He's dying. Oh, no. Um, as he does it from the gas, uh, the, uh, his creator, Clavel, walks out of it and, like, you know, starts taunting Rogue. Like, oh, you think you could escape from me? Ha ha ha, etc. Um, and then, even as, um, as his creator taunts him, also, from the mist comes his three dead buddies, the would-be biochips. Um, you know, top eight ball, um, uh, whatever. The third one, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. All these guys. <laughs> um, and they're like taunting him and saying, is saying he's weak. Lucky, that's right. Yeah, Lucky, yeah. Lucky's the gunner in this it's situation, in the as I recall. Ah, that's right. Yes. Old, old, old Rogue Rogue, please. Uh, <laughs> or new old Rogue Rogue. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, but it seems like these, this taunting kind of stuff was just enough to snap Friday out of it. Like, oh, you let down Alex and he's the one person that respected you on this crummy planet, you jerk. And so Rogue kind of comes to, and I don't know. It seems like by the end, even Clavel's cheering him on to kick ass again. Uh, it's weird. But um, yeah, the ghosts let up. Friday comes to. He grabs his rifle and goes a killing. Wades into these skeletons. T- more just silent violence as he takes these guys out. Not even sound effects on the gun and stuff like that as he fights. Um, but as he saves Alex, he realizes that his arms are no longer burnt because it was phobia gas. Designed to affect his GI brain, and that's pretty ominous. So he uh, instead goes. So um, yeah. Anyway, with the day saved now, Friday heads into the evil base. He fights his way in, confronts the evil boss, Doctor Mikra, and she sort of then gives her gives Friday an info dump, like, "Ah, uh, she was a Clavel subcontractor too, using technology to bring the dead back to life." But when she did, they deteriorated into like ghouls and skeletons. So that was bad times. But then she got killed and they used the machine on her, as you do, to keep working on her research. She's been using like, I don't know, power. She's been basically dosing herself with electricity to kind of stay young and hot, basically. But now that Friday's um, messed up her situation, she's quickly deteriorates into a skeleton or whatever. And so, because she's all melty, uh, Rogue shoots her like five times, and that's the end of her. <laughs> and he's and back for some on reason the in the middle of this military operation <laughs> with the final attack by all of the zombies, she's lying around naked in bed for him. Yeah, you it's know, I mean, she just, <laughs> I guess she just like was like, oh, it gets <laughs> over. I'm just going to go take a nap. You know, I've, 
I've been in that situation where things have gone so bad that it's just sort of like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to lie down. That, that, that's enough for me. Um, yeah. Anyway, weird story. Yeah. I got to say just the, um, the orchard stuff. I don't know about that. Like that seems like, but like it could, you could be, be, become further ominous if you wanted it to and, th- and stuff. But otherwise just a w- very, very weird one, very Saturday morning cartoon feel to me. Honestly, I, I'll, I'll say that again. Like just of this. I don't know, evil doctor yeah. that wants to bulldoze the trees. That has a very feel. Now, like, I know, like feel I know that most stories would not <laughs> work if yeah. you did actually do this. But if you just asked them, they did seem like quite friendly farmers. That, yeah, if she didn't need to bulldoze true. down their orchard, she could yeah, just I mean, sort of mine It seemed like, honestly, the they trees. had a lot of spare power because they had yeah. enough to create all that acid rain and stuff like that. Like they, they, they might have shared enough to at least keep you looking young, you know, if you just needed like to be zapped with it yeah. or something. Um, yeah, weird. You know, it's a fair point though, for sure. Like, feel free to yeah. not be an evil. An I know evil just about every horror film or story yeah. that's ever been written would not work if people talked to each other earlier. But, you know, in this case, they weren't an enemy. They I know, weren't an enemy. I, know. I feel like enemy. I remember having a, a big crazy discussion with someone about. Um, all of these like superhero TV shows, like uh, like 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 Arrow yeah. or The Flash or something, and I just w- was getting pissed because I feel like like eighty like 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 at least like sixty percent of the drama on these shows happen just because someone yep. doesn't want to tell someone else a secret or something like that. Like you know, you don't want to say that your dad is actually a supervillain, and so he's able to blackmail you, and so all yeah. these other things happen and stuff like that. But like if you just Said that your dad was a supervillain. It turns out to not actually be yeah. that big a deal if when anyone, you do it. Like, if anyone ever tells you, I'll <laughs> you know, tell you know. later. You know, that's that's your chance to say goodbye. Speak yeah. goodbye. You. Or at uh, least do you follow, want flowers at your Yeah, funeral? or at least like sort of ask two questions about it. Like because usually like because usually in those shows what happens is two people come in and they both want to say something, and then somebody says and then one person says something, and it's like they say, like, oh, I love you. And the other person was gonna say, like, oh, my dad <laughs> is Captain Blood. But um then they're like, Wait, what were you gonna tell me? And they're just like, oh, nothing. Like it's like <laughs> ask what ask what it was. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. Let's be frank about if we've been bitten by yeah. zombies here, folks. Like, it's important, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I guess speaking of tropes and popular entertainment, let's go to Thrill 8 Future Wars. Now, this opens with some good news. But first, is Sidney Falco the real name or is that the pen name? Oh, for no, that else? is a, uh, I believe I that is an Alan be. McKenzie alias. The, the name is uh, Tony Curtis's character uh, in Sweet yes. Smell of Success. But Sydney Sydney Falco also wrote the Moonrunner story in the tooth in the nineteen eighty eight yep. sci fi special. I want to say so. I believe, and 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 that's of course Alan McKenzie. So this feels like him writing again. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very Professor <laughs> Farnsworth. Good news, everyone, because apparently there's a yeah. Rogue Trooper movie coming. <laughs> It is yeah. big news in 2020, years frankly. Um, I guess, I guess uh, um, Duncan Jones uh, uh, took over from, um, what is this, yeah. Harley Cockless, I guess? I think I have I have seen his his credits are Battle Truck and Dream Demon, which don't no, sound like great I did like not know movie. who this person was. I looked him up on Wikipedia today. Uh, he's also known as Harvey Cockless with an E in there. And he... Yeah, he did. Oh, oh yeah, no, he's, he's got two different yeah. names. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, sorry. He did not have another ah. film credit for a decade after this. He did do a couple of episodes <laughs> of Hercules was, and oh, Zero excellent. Princess. Well, that makes sense, actually, because I was going to say, I have actually seen Battle Truck at the urging of uh, Peter from yep. the Where Eagles Dare podcast, who, um, who, who, who told me, and, and it's one of these, um, like, Kiwi exploitation films or something, sort of in, the, in a post-Mad yep. Max world, like, we're going down under to film some post-apocalyptic uh, 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 movies and stuff like that. But I think this one was New Zealand. And so that makes sense that he'd done Hercules and, uh, and Xena, because I think those are also New Zealand-based productions, yep. actually. <laughs> But this is so, like, this feels very, like, I've never heard anybody else talk about there being a potential Rogue Trooper no. movie in the 90s. Like, that is, yeah. that is hot off the press's news. Like, that feels more like something that some, that Alan McKenzie heard at a party versus, like, from the industrial trades or something like yeah. that. And then it does say, <laughs> does say Warner Brothers. But so yeah, so, yeah. I, gotta look, yeah, I, I, for, I forgot to look this up, but I gotta, this feels like something I gotta see because <laughs> no one talks about this that I've heard of. Um, but then there's, this is just sort of a big text piece and we can see here they are, you know, no John Smith here. White this fonts. does have these yeah. really, this really thick font to, um, to, to take up some space. But this a lot of talk about war movies and mod or modern sci-fi more than anything else and there's a lot of uh production and industrial photos from uh from different movies from uh from forbidden planet to uh Re Re return of the jedi and a bunch of other stuff in between and some b movies too i think like um like, like they got like like humanoid galaxina yeah, these are these are movies. That Galaxina, people have not which seen. had a former <laughs> playmates of a year. I mean, that just makes Access. sense. Yeah, but I yeah. really, I do love how this article is really trying. Like, it seems like for a movie that we know never exists. I love that the tone of the article is "Don't get your hopes <laughs> up about the quality of this movie." Basically, I like how it says like, that for this Galaxina very thing, uh, it's got this playmate of a year. Yeah who was later portrayed on screen by Jamie Lee Curtis and Mariel Hemingway. They were both better than Le Stratton, who's this playmate. But it, it you know, despite dissing her, it doesn't you know, stop him honestly, a picture this whole of thing of, uh, of, of, of making fun of these, women's, of, of these exactly. women while objectifying yeah. them has an Alan McKenzie feel to me, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've, I've done a lot of hanging Alan McKenzie by his own words in the course yeah. of, of, my, of the proxima of a 2000 and, of Space You know that so standalone far, film, The Terminator? Yeah, there's only, there's only one Terminator. Oh, yes. Yeah. Listen. Wouldn't it be smart to put Terminator 2 in the future of that future war that we saw a little glimpse of? That'd be great, wouldn't it? Be much, be much better than having Terminator listen, 2 I've set in the present day. Listen, having seen Terminator sequels set both in the post-apocalyptic future of Terminator yeah. and in the present, I think we know, I think we we know, know which, which one's, one's the superior movie, film but... here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although I will say that... That feels like, like, I remember even after Terminator 2, really wanting to know more about that skull heavy yeah. future of Terminator that we see glimpses of. You know, I really remember what there was that Terminator 2 arcade game with like the guns yeah. that, that you shoot at the screen and stuff. And that one starts with a lengthy uh, period 
in the future parts, like yeah. going to send Arnold back or whatever. This sort of got this, um, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know, just the, these big alien tanks treading on skulls is a very iconic moment, uh, is a very iconic image. The sad part is that that's sort of all they got for the term of the future in Terminator, yeah. you know? Um, well, I remember thinking that as yeah, well. All right. So, and so I guess your, speaking of speculation, oh, rewinding it so you can watch that future war bit, thinking this is great. And then we did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say it's definitely one of those things where it's, it's really good yeah. in very small portions. You know, it's the, uh, it's, it, it's, it's the caviar yeah. of, uh, of films, you know, like, you know, good, good for a little bit, but if you've got a whole plate yeah. full of it's it, like it would future probably be too time much. Travel, which you know? one's the best part of Terminator? It's true. Yeah. Like, do we really need a bunch of CGI stuff? Uh, probably, I guess, eventually. But hey, speaking of war and time travel, let's go to 60 hours or Thrill 8. 60 hours that shook the world. Um, another future shock. This one's from Prague 391, our episode 122. Uh, four pager or four and a half pager, I should say. And I would say, man, this one is really, or, uh, sorry, uh, script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Brendan McCarthy is R. Jones. R. Jones and is about not Tom Frame. anyone here. And this, no, but I feel like this story is very much saved by Brendan McCarthy's art, who's just drawing a ton of these, like, extreme close-ups on angry army dudes that are a lot of fun, and then occasional battle scenes and stuff. For this otherwise kind of, I don't know, standard, like, another one of these standard future shocks, I guess, of just there was time travel involved, basically. So, you know, uh, a general in charge, like, basically, a a hole opens up in reality to another world. The general in charge, charge orders this new world destroyed with experimental strangle bombs just to be safe. But then after they've shot them all, a scientist does research and finds out that actually the alternate world is their own world set uh, 60 hours in the future. And then the strangle bombs (laughs) come. So, you know, besides the art, which is great, although it is kind of interesting that um, the scientist is wearing a helmet in this one that looks very similar to what the missile troops in the first reprint Rogue Trooper story was wearing in this episode with these sort of like like leather helmet with these bug eyes, yeah. with these uh, glass bug eyes kind of thing. There's some similarities there. But otherwise, yeah, just sort of like, um, you know, good, like sort of people being angry and then moments of shock of what have I done kind of stuff. Um, and then very solid uh, stock 2000 AD ad in the bottom, just an Andy Warhol of cans of 2000 AD. It's thrill power for human beings. Did you get the Beans Means Heinz adverts in America? I don't. I don't remember. I feel like. Listen, here's where here's where I start. Here's where I have a weird, a really weird discussion about the difference between American and British bean bean culture. <laughs> <laughs> where I had a real big, like, earth shattering discussion about the fact that like beans on toast is a big thing in England, and I don't feel like it's a big thing in America or something like that. Like a lot of me just being like, wait, so it's just like beans and you put them on toast like yeah no it's great like no that doesn't sound great i don't know (laughs) put cheese on a toast first and then the cheese melts Ah, when you put beans on top there's extra stuff there's always 
always this stuff with you. Always another layer with when I'm with this British culture that I'm finding out. You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember those those Heinz ads. Um, I gotta say, honestly, I don't remember it. Like, I think Heinz did ketchup advertising in America, but I don't remember a ton of beans advertising from my youth. Like that feels yeah. like one of those things where they're just sort of like, nah, like there's not enough market share to spend money on advertising for this kind of thing. I don't know. Sorry. All right. So, but enough. Listen. We've had like two future shocks and articles about articles about movies and all this stuff. And I'm tired of that. All right. I want to get back to Rogue Trooper action. All right. And I want not, not just any like Friday Rogue Trooper action. I want to mix the classic with the new. And I think we're going to get that in Thrill 9 Bio Death. <laughs> Uh, script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Steve Dillon, letter robot Tom Frame. So yeah, so I really like, um, we're seeing Steve Dillon here as, um, you know, doing Friday, which is a very unusual art combination, I feel like. Um, so that's fun, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, is this the only time, <laughs> is this the only time Steve did Friday? Um, let me see. Oh, oh I've, I don't know. I think it is just because I feel like honestly, by the time, Friday comes around, Steve Dillon's, you know, you could maybe get him back for Dread or something, yeah. but otherwise he's on to, on to bigger and better things, I think. He's probably doing Hellblazer pretty soon. Yeah, he's sort of definitely on the road to, to yeah, to doing Hellblazer and all those, these sort of like, you know, bigger, more important. Um, and actually Will Simpson did Hellblazer as well. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like you definitely, like, uh, maybe because Constantine's an English hero, you get a lot of the, you know, I feel, I feel like it's got a more English uh, create, yep. uh, general creative team as well, I guess, which is generally. But yeah, no, this is this is Dylan's only uh, only Friday work, at least. He, he, he never di uh, did him in the, in the, in the regular progs. Um, yeah, so Friday is walking through Swampland when he comes under fire. Hiding in undergrowth, he sees a bunch of commandos coming after him. They're zeroing in on his position using his, using a pulse tracker, but they're just zoning in on his backpack. And Friday comes up from behind him. Oh no. He shoots the guns out of their hands and says the war on this planet's over. You guys need to chill, need to chill out. But these soldiers just laugh because they don't have any communication gear or anything. They haven't heard that the war is ending and there's been an evacuation and stuff like that. They're sort of like just fighting their way through. And I'll note that Dylan draws these guys with some uh, classic Nort insignia here as well. Again, unusual for uh, for Friday. Um, they call out for a dude named Cal, but their buddy Cal has just been eaten <laughs> by a giant murder scorpion. <laughs> It's, oh, it's terrible. It's got a big, crazy mouth, and it's just eating this guy whole. Pretty awesome. Uh, they go to shoot it, but it's pretty well armored, and they can't defeat it. Um, they instead just go to run, but even Friday himself can't handle the monster. There's sort of then some, Friday runs, and there's sort of some off-screen negotiating here, basically. He's like, hey, like, we both gotta take this scorpion out for some reason, so let's uh, team up to fight it. It's not really made clear why he's <laughs> got to fight the scorpion, but he definitely does. Don't ask you know? questions; just get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not complaining too much. Um, so they sort of team up together, and soon they manage to uh, blow up and kill the scorpion. Uh, Friday takes a grenade and tosses it down this monster's gullet and stuff, which kills it. You know, good times generally, but. The good times end when these when the soldiers he'd allied with 
oh, they turn evil and try to double cross Friday and kill him. And Friday's got to kill them instead. <laughs> In the end, as the last one dies, he says that they knew Friday was lying about the war going over or being over. And Friday could just in stunned silence walk off into the sunset. Yeah, so it's a bit like the holdouts from Mac 1 when, they went to, when uh, John Frode went to the jungle and... Uh, Halo Jones encountered on Moab. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, I, I mean, I guess, like, I, I, again, talking about, like, Pacific Islands or something, there were, like, sort of stories about, yeah, about the the real-life version of that Mach 1 tale or Mac 1 tale of um, of people just not yeah. knowing that the war is over and still fighting it many years later or something like that. Yeah. Very weird. But I do like the uh, – I, I, I like the Scorpion design by Dylan, and it is kind of interesting to see him – Yep. bringing his kind of classic Rogue Trooper sensibility to this character as well. Speaking of uh, classic Rogue Trooper adventures, or classic Rogue Trooper artists, I guess, let's go to Thrill 10, Death Valley. Script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Cam Kennedy, letter robot Bill Nuttall, classic. Again, right. this one came right after the Blind Terror story early in the annual. It was in Prague's, uh, Ray Ray for Prague's 381 to 383 and our episodes, uh, 118 and 1189. Um, very happy to see Cam Kennedy back in the Prague, of course, or back, um, drawn rogue and stuff like that. He's one of the classic rogue trooper artists for me, for sure. Um, and we see, just a nice little tracking shot or a nice shot of Rogue on the on the on the plains of New Earth with that big uh, warp gate in the sky and stuff. But then as he moves, he comes into a no go zone. Oh, it's marked on the map and stuff like that. Um, he's not clear why it's that big a deal, but just decides to uh, keep wandering in. But as he does, he comes under long range fire from some dirty Nords. And so he instead, um, you know, enters into the valley to try to escape them. Um, the Norts themselves turn out to be Kashars, Nort soldiers, cosplaying as uh, Roman centurion guys. <laughs> um, and um, the guy who missed Rogue when he was shooting has to fall on his sword because that's the way they do this kind of stuff. This is a very, very good example of uh, establishing this guy is evil by killing his own dude. But in this case, um, you know, forcing his own dude to commit suicide or whatever. And he lets slip that the Kashars have a uh, have a score to settle with Rogue Trooper that dates back to the Quartz Zone massacre itself. Um the uh, uh, rogue enters the valley. He finds a giant, a, a, a huge field of uh, of a cane, of a giant cane, like sugar cane or something, or maybe not sugar, you know, whatever cane-like plants that are growing as high as redwood trees, just forming a massive forest that rogue's running through. Um, he hides among it as the Kashars enter, and a uh, rogue and the chips remembered that they were the uh, the support force for the Kashans. Who did the actual killing of the of the uh, GIs in the Quartzone massacre? Uh, but as they enter, suddenly the cane comes alive, and uh, weird alien tentacle vines attack both Rogue and the Kashars, and it's getting pretty sporty down here in the valley. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, Rogue and the Cash Arts and Sherry are fighting back to back against this killer cane. To survive, we have to team up with our worst enemies. Just silly. Like, these guys' uh, Roman uniforms are so ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> just in comparison to everybody else on uh, on New Earth, you know? Um, 
But so, in the next part, um, Rogue and the Kashars manage to hold off the cane and eventually get to a hover chariot and try to escape. Um, Rogue uses some, 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 some surface-to-air missiles to blast a path. And um, he and a handful of Kashars make it to the edge of the cane, but as they as they make it there, suddenly like new stalks open up from the ground and start to, and start killing everybody. Um, yeah, Rogue gives a uh, or Rogue gives a cutting of the uh, of the cane to Bagman to analyze, and it looks like um, it says the lack of sugar in Rogue's blood means that the cane isn't really targeting him. So, hey, if he really wanted to just leave these guys um, behind, that he could just kind of ditch them and, uh, you know, let these uh, guys rot in hell for their actions during the uh, Quartz Zone Massacre and stuff. Although Kat, the Kashar leader is quick to say that the actual massacring was done by the Kashans, who are the real bad guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the enemy, but he does seem like an honorable person. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, he does up to the last couple of pages, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, that's enough for me. Or, or sorry, that's that, that's enough for Rogue. I don't think it's really enough for me, but I don't know. Um, in the end, Rogue's with this unit of Norg troops, and he well, he could just walk away because the cane is looking for him. And he sort of weighs that also with their role in the Quartz Zone Massacre. But in the end, his conscience finally does get the better of him. And even though the chips object, and but but the chips object, so Rogue goes in naked or uh, um, fully unequipped to try to help out the Kashars, and in the end, is only able to pull the uh, the commander um, out of the uh, out of the cane, carrying it back piggyback style, sort of biowire style, I guess. Um, uh, from from earlier on, um, he pulls him out. I had remembered. I had remembered a story about being by a yeah. wire. It's definitely that kind of thing of Rogue again carrying a uh, carrying a regular human yeah. to safety on his back from it. But unlike with Biowire, where the guy was shell shocked and then killed a bunch of Norts, in this case, the Kashar decides to use the unequipped Rogue um, to his advantage. He gets a gets a. Uh, Gets an ambush on the GI and shoots Rogue right in the knee. Oh, jeez. Arrow to the knee. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but he stays an adventurer. You know, it's not for a while yet <laughs> until until that gets the better of him. Anyway, because they both have one gun, they kind of, like the Kashar, because he has some honor, like tosses Gunner in the in between them, and is like, all right, like we'll see who can go who can go for the gun first. And whoever then will will win, unaware that again Rogue did that side quest, and now Gunner <laughs> is is, is uh, can fly, and so Gunner just flies back to his hand, and he kills that, and he shoots that uh, that uh, Kashar down, and walks off into the sunset as it is as always, you know, <laughs> like gave that Nork a sh- nor- North a shock when I used my telekinetic power, huh, Rogue? Just in case he had forgotten, but he had telekinetic power. Sure did. The shock of his <laughs> life. <laughs> Yeah, that that making Gunner have te- like I feel like this is the big payoff yeah. of Gunner having telekinesis. Honestly, I don't know how often it comes up um, from here on out. I'm not sure it's going to come up again. There's only two more stories until the end of uh, a traitor storyline. That, that that that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just like after this one, it was just like dial uh, like the return of Major Magnum. I think, and then you're right on to the final showdown. Hmm. And then that's the end of a story that began in 228. 
Yeah, and I and I feel like Gunner might might lose his abilities when you start doing the horse storyline and stuff. When yeah, when he gets regened, yeah, and briefly regened, falls and then, apart. Yeah, that sort of oh, you know, standard Rogue Trooper stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, but hey, as we reminisce about old Rogue Troopers, <laughs> actually, <laughs> can double check it here with uh, Thrill Eleven or Thrill Eleven, the Rogue Trooper Combat Index. And yeah, here we go. Yeah, Blind Terror, Death Valley, M for Murder, to the ends of New Earth. There we go. And this is... Yeah, so remember... Oh, good. Yeah. Remember that time before the internet when you didn't have Barney to tell you everything all the time? I gotta say, yeah, like this this year, this final round of annuals and the specials this year are chock block of these indexes. Um, like they're like, it's li- like I th- um, the, uh, the Dread Mega special had one. The 2008 uh, sci-fi special has one. The 2080 an- uh, annual has one as well, I believe. Um, the sci-fi special had like future shocks and stuff. Dread annual had dread stories, of course. And then the annual has sort of everything else. Um, and I believe all the rogue troopers. This is sort of a reprint from that. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I've, 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 I've said this before, but this is one of these things that I think is incredibly useful if you're a kid in 1990 and you want to know the credits and appearances of Rogue Trooper and sort of what the names of those stories were and stuff like that. I mean, it, like, like, like you say, it is the exact job that Barney, that the uh, 2080.org, yeah. like a Barney um, pr- uh, thing does now, just being able to look up where all the Rogue Trooper stories are and get a sense of the timeline and stuff. So I don't begrudge it existing, and I definitely have, have sympathy for those nerdy 1990 kids yeah. that want to know where things are and stuff like that. Um, as, a, as someone doing a recap about yep. the events <laughs> of these stories, though, this is very boring. <laughs> You know, but at two pages in this annual, also incredibly non-offensive. Like that's this is the right amount. When it's twelve pages, that's when it's a little much. Um, but yeah, and so after that, there's a there's a uh, an ad for the uh, Dread Annual for 1991, which is coming next. Uh, I think in two weeks on the show here. I like this coverage by Jamie Hewlett. It's got Dread and uh, and a perp, and I feel like because they're both kind of looking at the camera and making faces, this feels like, almost like a selfie to me. Like if if some if 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 this perp had like gotten a picture of himself being arrested by Dread yeah. and put it on the Insta- on Instagram while he was waiting for the catch wagon to pick him up or something like that, you know. <laughs> but fun Jamie Hewlett stuff here for sure. Um, but that takes us. Let's finish up here and get real gross. With a thrill twelve circus days, days with a Z <laughs> or a Z, I guess you'd say. Um, script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot John Hinklinton, letter robot Annie Parkhouse. I can't believe John Hinklinton's drawn a Friday story here. That's really amazing to me. Um, he's sort of we're we're well past his time in the Prague, actually. Although he'll soon be in the Meg, so I guess he's still around, but. Like it kind of it feels like like swatting a fly with a flamethrower to have um, this artist on this story. I guess I don't know. Yeah, he's doing similar painted artwork in Toxic at the same time in the Fear Teachers, which was written by Pat Mills. It never got. Oh, painted. that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, Toxic's another one. I gotta I, I gotta put on my list. All these sort of more grown up side projects definitely worth checking out. And I love you know I like Hakelinton's one of these guys I've really turned around on. I think. 
in um in my in a uh, in space spinner who i feel like in my first read through i just like he's he takes a little bit a little bit of work to get into and i think the first time i read him i wasn't willing to do that work but this time i am and now i really love his stuff yeah with his first nemesis book uh two talkimadas it was pretty unlike anything else we'd ever seen absolutely like simon like simon harrison as well they both started about the same time and it was completely different to all of us work we'd seen before so it did take a while for it to grow on me absolutely yeah yeah definitely i think i think i think everybody feels like that honestly like it's just sort of it yeah it is it's so different and sort of whether you're willing to to, to roll with those differences really makes the difference between how much you're going to enjoy the story i think but i think having an open mind is a real helpful with that kind of stuff just like all right like oh listen i'll give this a shot that's fine let's do it <laughs> but it is surprising to see him on friday i guess just because i feel like i don't know friday feels so maligned by modern readers that it's funny to see these big names working on him i guess um but yeah, so uh, a bunch of circus weirdos finds what seems to be Friday, but he's injured. But it's actually some just random dude with a top knot who's got Friday's helmet and backpack. Oh, no. Um, Friday, we see. But then uh, he sort of asks for help. And uh, folks and these circus folks do seem pretty ready to help him. And they bring him an honorary member of his of their troop, I guess, which doesn't seem ominous at all. Um Meanwhile, as a uh, missile gets shot down overhead, Friday himself yeah. wakes up from under a big pile of rubble. This is the this is the rogue trooper burying himself thing that you referred to earlier in the podcast. Little bit of these burials, and then as he sort of comes to and realizes that all of his stuff has been taken, he um, has a flashback to um, to what happened before. He was walking the wastes when he got a reading, investigated it. <clears throat> and found a dude, a berserker, walking around with a big old gun. He, Friday shot shot first, but shot to wound, a mistake he'll never make again. And the berserker fired back, trapped Friday under a rock slide, and then yeah. took all his stuff. Talk about adding insults to injury. He says, Friday's a stupid name. Aw, oh, now you're in trouble, friend. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Friday starts tracking his stuff with a remote he had in his pocket, I guess. And elsewhere, we see this berserker guy holding court among these weird circus dudes. He's like in a chair as they all sit around him on the floor, seemingly enthralled by his stories and looking very weird for the record. <laughs> like, um, yeah, he sort of wonders. He sort of wonders why they're being so nice to him and a clown sort of starts to explain that's part of their solemn duty to their god uh zankra but before he can sort of explain more friday comes bursting in looking for his stuff <laughs> um the two of them get in a fight they punch around the circus in the course of this they free a giant mutant bull in a cage and the like they have to fight around that <laughs> and stuff um he sort of takes Friday takes the bull out with some kind of Vulcan nerve pinch to its shoulder, and then he like headbutts the uh, berserker and then smashes him upside the face with a uh, juggling pin and stuff like that. Um, but before he can kill him, 
The circus folks um, shout out to him. They need this guy alive to incorporate him into their way of being for their religion. They've got Friday's stuff. Please just take it and go. But what does incorporating someone into your way of being mean? Indeed, there's some very sort of genie talk going on here where they're sort of saying something that could have a lot of different definitions. Uh, Friday takes his stuff and go, and this berserker guy spitting out teeth is like, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. I'd love to be, you know, I could like maybe like learn some interpretive dance or do some other sort of clowning. You know, I took a, I, I, I took a summer course in college about it but um before he can say anymore the sword swallower stabs him right in the back with a huge blade and it turns out that yep these new members of the troop become part of them because buddy your new friends are they're cannibals, cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps coming up <laughs> even more than i am the law that's the load-bearing quote from that stallone <laughs> dread movie for sure <laughs> So they have their feast as Friday heads off into the sunset. Aw, yeah. And speaking of off into the sunset, Sheridan, we finished the 1991 Rogue Trooper Annual. Yeah, it was a good start, I think. Yeah. Um, It wasn't as good as War Machine, but it didn't seem too bad. It's a bit patchy in places. I think it's really interesting just that it is such a big rollout for this new character, you know? This, um, like, I mean, this is like, if, this is like half a year, um, uh, it, it seems like, of like Rogue Trooper stories almost. Yeah. Like, you could, like, most of these would be like maybe two proggers or something like that. Like, you could definitely spread these out if you wanted to and just have this be a whole ton of 2000 AD. But instead, they're just sort of jam. They're just sort of, it, it seems like yeah. they are very excited for this, uh, Friday character. And so they're investing a lot by getting all these scripts and having, you know, like, again, like, like maybe not, um, Maybe not Cam Smith, but definitely like like Chris West and John Hankleton and Steve Dillon are all these are, are are very big artists, especially in relation to Rogue Trooper, or just generally to have a, a come on this annual and stuff. Yeah, and funnily enough, uh, Michael Fleischer, not well known in 2008 for being terse, um, I think some of these stories were a bit rushed. Like that first story, which had the Marauders yeah. in it. We weren't actually introduced to the Marauders, so what we know about Marauders is from a totally different story. And a totally different rogue. You know, it's the one from back in the 200s. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, uh, the ones yeah. that, like, the uh, the Trader General was what, what, what was running early on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like, I mean, I think we definitely talked about it in that decoy story. Yeah, that there, there, it seems like yeah. there is money on the table if you wanted to sort of, you know, go into certain other elements. Actually, I think of, of a lot of these stories, if you kind of wanted to go into other parts of the story, you definitely could, like, sort of flesh those out. You definitely could if you wanted to, you know, making the, the folks the folks growing the trees in the orchard be more sinister. Or, like, even an explanation of why they had to kill that big scorpion in the Steve Dillon story. I mean, that feels very unsaid. Yeah. Like, why don't you just not, like, leave that swamp? No, instead they got to kill it for some reason. I think, um, I've not read the other animals recently, I think. I think I remember liking this one more than I liked the 2008 AD this year. Hmm. Judge, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But Judge Dredd, one you're going to be reading, uh, if you haven't already. No, I've, is, I've, I've read that one. That's an amazing it's annual. It's a Top Dogs the, uh, one. So yeah. that is it's definitely got, the best Definitely, yeah. It's got year. both uh, Top Dogs, which is the Strontium Dog, Judge Dredd crossover. And it's also got a, uh, 
uh, Judge Anderson uh, text story written by Dan Abnett, like a really early uh, piece of work by by that, like, you know, now 2080 stalwart um, oh, writer. I think he's still working for Marvel UK at that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is like sort of in his first one or two years of work. So it's a very, it's very early stuff from him. But, but, but very cool. Like, I, I kind of freaked out a little bit when I saw the name just because I thought that was very, you know, that's a credit I was not expecting at this point in 2080 history. So it was very cool to see him there as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I've just picked that off a shelf. Uh, exorcism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, which, okay. which is a cool one. Whereas yeah, so I, I, I think I did the, like- the 2000 AD annual sort of suffers from the sci-fi special story, where it feels like it's got a lot of story, it's got a lot of a lot of dumping ground stories. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a there's a Moonrunner story, and there's a Night Zero story for better or for you know, I've sort of liked Night Zero, but still, like that's certainly not that's not the best, and sort of a very like um like. In, certainly in comparison to Top Dogs, a less than awesome yeah. uh, Australian dog story as well. So I did like this annual, but uh, I think I remember liking it at the time it came out. I think reading it now, it's coloured by what comes after. Mm. Yeah, very. Yeah, I mean, very much just the idea of, a, of an annual being a showcase for Friday yeah. sort of has a much different tone, I think, in 2020 than it does in 1990, you know. And when uh, I think your next Rogue Trooper story that you're going to be reading is Golden Fox Rebellion with painted artwork by Ron yes, Smith. Yes, I believe so. Now, I remember liking <clears throat> the artwork and then thinking the story wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably reread that a few times, uh, not lately though. And then once we get into full on Fleischer territory, uh, I just don't think I've reread them even to this day. So when I come across them in my blog slot, that's going to be the first time I've read them in over a quarter of a century. <laughs> oh, man. And that, like, you know, I don't want to prejudge now what I'm going to be rereading, but the fact that I haven't reread them in all that time does say something. Yeah, I mean, I remember from my initial read through that after War Machine, Rogue Trooper sort of moved into the uh, skippable col- uh, column for me, I think. It's one that I was sort of, I'd be very willing to sort of pa- yeah. page through when I sort of was reading through the through, through the progs and stuff. I don't like to speak ill of the dead with Michael Fleischer and everything, but uh, I looked at his Wikipedia page today and there's no mention of Rogue apart from in a bibliography. It's only his American uh, work that is highlighted in a text of that article. Yeah, I mean, this is very much sort of late. Like, I feel yeah. like we're sort of in like like late career Fleischer, where he's sort of done his his noteworthy stuff, and this is sort of you know we're sort of on yeah. on, on the tail end of things here, and sort of less than ideal circumstances, I guess. But uh, all that said, I guess I have a question for you, which is, what are your top and bottom thrills? This is a tricky one because uh, I know that you don't have this. Uh, rule, but for me, I don't count reprint as top or bottom. That's fair. So I've got to pick out of basically a Michael Fleischer stuff only, top or bottom. Um, I like John Hick- Hicklinton's artwork. I think he needs a more out there kind of story. This is too straightforward a story, and mm. anything that Friday does is going to be too straightforward for his work. You can tell he's really. They're really reaching by having these guys be circusy. That like that feels like they had to do that so that Hinklinton could have something to latch on to at all for how he does yeah. art and stuff. So I am going to go for, and it's mostly because of Chris Weston's uh, colorful artwork and decoys at the top. And bottom is going to be 
uh, the Undeath project. That's fair. Yeah, the uh, yeah that one's so that one's so weird just because yeah again it's Saturday morning cartoon elements and stuff like that for sure. Yeah, and I I think the artwork it's kind of like a Future Shock tryout kind of artwork as well. It's like new artists who aren't used to any of the characters. Yeah. But what's your top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. Yeah, definitely. And I think and I think that well, I was going to say that's a tough choice for, for or I think I actually mostly agree with you. I agree that the art's very rough for um for bio death and that's a that's a bad and that feels like a or the for for the undeath project or no, you were saying for, um oh there's too many death stories in here. Um yeah, but I think yeah, for the for the Undeath project, I feel like the art is rough, especially for this sort of new – when you're still defining yeah. this new character, it's hard to have sort of a rookie artist come on and um, try to f- define this ill-defined thing. Um, I think I might actually just – yeah, just have solidarity with you because I like the decoy story pretty well, although I felt like there was money on the table. I think it is my favorite of these and I definitely think of the store of the uh, of the new comics – this uh the undeath project is my is my le- is my least favorite of these stories just because there's yeah. a lot of elements that don't make sense and even more that make it not feel particularly rogue troopery i guess and just like i don't really like that it seems a very silent story like there's a lot like there's no they don't have sound effects on the gun firing and stuff like that which kind of i don't know it makes the story feel almost unfinished or something like there should be sound effect bars and word bubbles and stuff but they're, they're yeah like like files going to come along in a few weeks and say this is how the story should have been with the lettering added exactly yes yeah yeah but, but, like there needs one or, like there's some extra things that need to be added but there's no time for it i guess and yeah and i think the, the decoy story is pretty good it kind of you know starts in medius in a in medius res and then just kind of goes from there just kind of does one thing and then and then gets out and i think that's pretty solid yeah but so i will now i i'd like to take once again hopefully not a not, not an ambush this time but ask what you think your uh I'm prepared this time. Excellent. Yeah. Sorry. I know. I, I I know. For when we did the dread annual, I just sprung it on you. But uh, on your blog, you do a a Grail page like uh, like Amy does over in the Mega City Book Club, and a Grail quote. Yeah. So I was wondering what your Grail page and quote for this annual is this time. Yeah. So I stole the uh, Grail page idea from Amy, and then I thought, uh, why should all the, if the artists get all of the fun? So I came up with a Grail quote thing all on my own, so that. The work Excellent. that yeah, writers had also done also had something. Um, it doesn't bode well, but it's that concept ah. artwork from Dave Gibbons mm-hmm. on a very first contents page. Yeah, this very Vietnam Friday kind of walking off. Yeah, uh, so that's the Grail page and a Grail quote. So as I say, I don't um, include reprint when I'm picking this kind of thing, uh, mostly because I'm I'm picking mm-hmm. those Grail quotes the first time they get printed. Yeah, 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 they've had their exactly. chance for sure. Uh, so I have to just pick from all of those Michael Fleischer stories. I just don't think he's got really good uh, ear for dialogue or not in his stuff he did for 2080. Uh, anyway, I expect if I read mm-hmm. his Jonah Hex stuff, I'd probably find stuff I liked more. Um, so I'm just going to have to go for that cannibal uh, part. You've come just when we need someone to become an honorary member of our 
have fruit. And yeah, that's that's just for the you know uh, cannibals, eh? Yeah, like oh yes, this is a, this is this is not particularly ominous, I suppose. As a bunch of as, as yeah, I know how this ends up. <laughs> as a bunch of like people in clown makeup drawn by John Hinklinton welcome you aboard. Like yeah. no, you you don't you don't want hospitality when he's doing the art. No way. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to invite you for dinner. Mm, I don't like I don't like the grammar on that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to invite me to be served dinner by you and it not be me that is being served? Because I'll agree to that. Like, you know, whatever. Nice. And then what's your what's – your, oh, yeah. Okay. So Awesome. So I think um, – I'll, I'll, I'll go too. I think for me, um, my grail quote is the end of this decoy story, right? Uh, the winds of war may be capricious, but there's still winds. And it's an ill one indeed that benefits nobody. I was thinking about that, but then I thought uh, cannibalism. That's a big that one. No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, they're both good choices. Yeah, sorry. That one starts off. Uh, some say they're only losers in war, not winners. Not true. Which I think is just like, I don't know. I feel like it's a, like, that's a very, um, again, this sort of evolution of, of, uh, of Rogue, which always went back to this war is hell thing of being like, ah, but maybe like if we're getting all, yeah. um, all weird, then we can actually see that's Sometimes war benefits people. Uh, think about it. Um, like arms, arms dealers, what would they be without? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Brass and Bland seem to be pretty, doing pretty well in war when you think about it, you know. Um, and I think for my grail page, I would actually pick the second to last uh, page of the annual, where which has um, Hinklinton drawing Rogue first, like taking out this big space bowl with a nerve pinch and then just headbutting and beating up this <laughs> dude because that's a fun action page. And has a lot yeah. of the uh, kind of weird Hinklinton like uh, muscularity and body shapes that I really like from that artist. And it's all I never know how to pronounce this. It's either cyan or cayenne and orange. Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah. yeah. It's got a, yeah very movie poster <laughs> kind of color scheme in there as well. It's very attractive, <laughs> definitely. Just a fun. Yeah. I, I like. I think that would look good on a wall. I don't know. It could be a fun poster or something. Um, awesome. Oh man. Okay. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look for spacespinner2000, and we should be there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd, re- we'd really appreciate it. Uh, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of, ex- of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2080 in the Meg, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. Sheridan, thanks so much for coming on the show. All right. Where can we find the Backprog Hack, your excellent blog? It is at Sheridan Wild, with an E on the end, dot wordpress.com. Excellent. I'll link to that in the notes for the show as well. It's, it's highly recommended. Um, I've really enjoyed just getting, you know, new perspectives on these old, on, on these uh, progs that we've talked about on the show. And, um, you know, I, and I, I really love, and, uh, it's, it's rare to have a, a detailed prog slog like, like you're going that's continued on for so long. So I definitely wish you well and, 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 and continued progress down this, uh, down this lonely road of 2018. <laughs> ah, progress. Exactly. Ex- yeah. Yeah. P R O G capitalized in there for sure. <laughs>
Ridiculous. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. Come back next week as we reach a little bit of a jumping on Prague. Uh, Necropolis, Harlem Heroes, and, and Medivac will roll on. But we'll have a new story about sword bros in the, in, the, in the post-apocalypse called Dry Run and the adventures of some axe bros in ancient times as Slain the Horned God returns. And until then, I'm Conrad Heshared, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid Vertu!